that you give us in your word, they are all based on who you are. You're the way, the truth, the life. We understand and we recognize as your followers that we have nothing, we are nothing, we accomplish nothing without you, without your strength, without your guidance, without your Holy Spirit who dwells in us. So thank you, Lord, for being so generous with us because of your grace. And this morning as we pause here and open your word together, I ask that your Holy Spirit would be the key that unlocks its truth for us. It helps us to understand what you're saying, that we may hear your clear voice today. Strip away everything that is not you, Father, so that we might know the truth. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, folks. You can sit down. I like that new song. I've heard it five or 150 times over the last week as Melody's been practicing it. I feel like I got that chorus pretty good, and and, um, you can ask anybody that's in the band, when I stand here and sing... I'm letting it rip. I I blast it. I sing as loud as I possibly can, um, but I didn't have the bridge too well, so I hope I didn't mess them up too much on that. But uh, I love the truth of that song. And I I was thinking about what I shared with you last week, and I was thinking of the whole thing through what we had talked about, and I just. As I begin this morning, I want you to understand and I want you to know that I know that the world is a difficult place to live in. And I have experienced that myself. And I don't want you to think that when I come in here and I I stand up here and I open the Bible and I teach you guys the truths that I find there, that I think that life is easy. And I don't want you to think that I think all you have to do is just do what I'm telling you to do and everything goes away and it all gets, it all gets smooth and easy because I don't think that. I know that that's not the case. I know that it's difficult to live in this world. I know how life works, especially when we're trying to please God and go against the grain of our culture and the way that we function in our marriages and the way we raise our children and the way that we spend our money and the things that we choose to watch and listen to and read in the entertainment world and the things that we choose to partake in in social media, I know that it's difficult. I know that it's difficult to be a Christ follower in this world. And because it is, we need help. And God knows that too. And he has promised to help us. He's promised to walk with us. He's promised to provide for us what we have needed. Eight weeks ago, we started the series that we've entitled The Promise Keeper. And eight weeks ago, when Tim taught us in that first time together, he read 2 Peter 1, 3-4. His divine power, God's divine power, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted us, here it is, 
his precious and very great promises so that through them you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. God has given us these promises because he knows we need help. We need help to be who he has called us to be in this world. We don't possess the ability to do it on our own. Uh, Author and Bible teacher Chuck Swindoll said this, God never asked us to meet life's pressures or demands on our own terms or by relying on our own strength, nor did he demand that we win his favor by assembling a portfolio of impressive deeds. Man, am I thankful for that. I'm thankful that God doesn't look at me and say, Mike, if you would just do this, 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 and this, if you would show me that you are worthy, then I will help you. I'm glad God does not do that. He knows we need help to be the people he is calling us to be. And so he has given us these promises. He has promised us his presence. He has promised us his Holy Spirit. He has promised us his forgiveness. He has promised us that he will answer our prayers. He has promised us that the Holy Spirit will dwell in our hearts and guide us. And last week we talked about the fact that God has promised to walk with us down this path. This morning we want to talk a little bit about God's strength. God's strength is mentioned 360 times in the Bible. And the promise keeper, this is the promise that we are looking at this morning, the promise keeper gives strength to those who trust him. He gives strength to those who trust him. We're going to read a passage in Isaiah this morning. I don't know how many people have ever spent any time reading the book of Isaiah. It's a big, long one in the Old Testament. Okay, absolutely no one has ever read anything in Isaiah. So plowing new ground, that's, that's good, that's good. In the book of Isaiah, written by the prophet Isaiah, God's man, to the people of Israel, Israel was in a very bad spot, a very bad way. They were in bondage, had been for years, and they really felt like God had forgotten them. And they really felt like this was going to last forever. This bondage, this difficulty that they were going through. And so God sent Isaiah to challenge them and comfort them. I am in no way comparing myself to Isaiah, but I do kind of feel like that's part of my job when we do this. I want to challenge you... (laughs) But I want to comfort you. I want to challenge you that we need to be going the right direction. We need to be doing what God's calling us to do. But I want to comfort you with the fact that God has provided the means for us to do that. It is possible with his strength. That's what we'll talk about today. Now here's Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27. We're kind of jumping into a conversation. We're going to read five verses here. This is Isaiah 40, 27. He says, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Now, Jacob 
was the father of the 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. And God later in Jacob's life actually changed his name to Israel. So when you're in the Old Testament and you see something like this, it says, Oh, Jacob, he's talking to Israel. He's talking to the nation. They believed that God had forgotten them. And what does Isaiah say here? What does Isaiah say? Why are you saying that? Why are you saying that God has forgotten you? And I want you to just look at the verse for a second. And I want you to think about this a little bit. I want you to put yourself in in Israel's place here, okay? And ask yourself if you have ever said anything that remotely resembles what Israel was saying. Put yourself in their place. Have you ever said anything that sounds something like, where are you, God? Why can't you see what's happening to me right now? Have you ever said anything like that at any point? What I want you to think about and notice as we walk through this is that this is a very emotional response from Israel. And when we say that, where does it come from? It comes from right here, right? Our hearts, or maybe a little lower, right here in our gut. The ancients believed that the gut was the seed of the emotion, (laughs) And you know why, right? I don't know how physiologically correct that is, but you know why. Because when you get upset, what happens? Stomach starts churning. Start feeling a little nauseous as your emotions take over. And this was an emotional response from from Israel. Where are you, God? Why are you hiding from us? Why are you not paying any attention to us? And this is a very common way to respond to crisis, isn't it? We all respond to crisis emotionally. Now, this is one of those easier said than done moments. I know that. But it doesn't make it any less true. Are you ready? We cannot trust our emotions in the middle of crisis. We can't trust our emotion when things are falling apart. Our emotions are all over the place. So what can we trust? Well, we can trust what is true. Look at verse 28. Look at how Isaiah continues. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. So in the middle of their emotional response to the crisis that's happening in their nation, and as a result in their lives, what does Isaiah say? He says, you've heard this, and you need to remember it. Have you not known? Now, Tim and I didn't talk about this five months ago when we decided to do the Promises series. 
and we planned these eight weeks and the things that we wanted to talk about. We didn't discuss this, but what we have both realized, and I hope you have too if you've been paying attention, is that every one of these promises is based on relationship. They're all based on our relationship with God. That's how we receive the blessing of the promises is through our connection to God. I want to suggest to you this morning that you cannot trust who you do not know. You cannot trust who you do not know. Now, when do we start learning that in our lives? When do we start learning it? How tall are we? About this tall when we start learning that? And what earlier? And and what do we tell our children? Don't talk to strangers. Don't run away from me when we are in the store. Why? Because you can't trust that person. And we teach our children that. You have to be careful who you trust. The other day I was, a couple weeks ago I was standing out the back and I was, I was talking to somebody and all of a sudden I heard little feet come running up behind me and grab my leg. And I thought, oh, that's so cute. I love little kids. I try to say hi to them all. I try to remember as many of their names as I can. And I turned around. (laughs) I turned around and said, hey, how you doing? And the little guy looked up at me, and this look of abject terror (laughs) came across his face. He immediately took his arms from around my kneecap and sprinted the other direction. (laughs) You know what he was thinking? I can't trust this guy. I don't know this guy. We cannot trust who we do not know. Have you not known, Isaiah says? Have you not come to know him? And friends, let me just pause right here to say, if you are not in the process of coming to know the almighty God of the universe, the creator of this world, you cannot trust him. If you're sitting here this morning and saying, Mike, I can't trust him, I'm saying, I know. Because you don't know him. That's why it's so critical what we talked about last week, remember? Opening the scripture getting into it, letting it get into us. Remember steeping like that tea in our hearts? Haven't you known? So for those of us who are walking with God, who are knowing him and coming to know him, have you not known? When we do come to know God, then we begin to understand what he can and will do. Who is God? He says he's Jehovah. The word name Jehovah means the self-existent one. It means I am. What does that mean? When you read God's word and you see the name Jehovah, or if in your Bible, if you have some versions, when it says the word Lord, all four letters are capital That means it's the word, the name Jehovah, the I am. That simply means that God is dependent on no one. 
He is. Nothing affects him. Nothing changes him. He relies on no one and nothing. As opposed to us, we rely on everything. We can't even get up at the right time if our phones don't magically change themselves in the middle of the night and still go off at the right time like mine did. He depends on no one. He is Jehovah. He is everlasting. He is a creator. He doesn't run out of strength. There's no end to his understanding. That's who he is. Now what does he do? Look at verse 29. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. He gives power and might and strength to those who need it. I want you to just notice this. We're going to move right on to the next verse. But I want you to notice here that our strength is a direct result of his strength. Okay? Everything that we receive from God by way of strength and power is a direct result of his strength and power. Who needs the strength that only God can do? Look at verse, or can give rather. Look at verse 30. Even youths, shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. Who needs God's strength? Simply, everyone. Everyone needs God's strength. And once again, like we saw last week with the verse from Psalm 119, your word is a a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Remember, that sounds like the same thing, but we realized it was very different, and the same is true here. The word youth means child. It means a little boy. I know a lot of you have little boys or had little boys in your past, and now maybe some of you have more little boys in the form of grandchildren running around. There's one thing that I have noticed about little boys. They seem to have an unending supply of energy. (laughs) Jessica's like, yeah, you better believe it. She's got three little boys running around in her house. Unending supply of energy. I, I told you last week that I... Gavin learned to walk one, one day, and the very next day he started running, and he never stopped. Energy to burn. I'm like, this kid is never going to stop. I mean, Melody was just, you know, exhausted for like 10 years. <laughs> it doesn't stop. Well, actually, you don't think it's going to stop. But there was one thing that was really interesting. I didn't ask Gavin if it was okay if I could say this, but I'm just not going to look at him, and so if he's giving me a dirty look, it won't matter. Gavin would run and run and run and run and run and run and run all day long. It's like, lock the doors. At least we know he can't get out. All over the place. But every night after supper, have his bath, get his jammies on, you know, the ones with the little footies in them, and the, you know, the zip. It would be the same thing. Run and run and run and run all over the place. But there was just something, oh, it was magical. It was so precious. (laughs) Every night when the time came, Either Melody or I would say, okay, Gav, it's time for bed. He would run into his room 
he would stand in his in front of his crib we would lay him in the crib and he was like out (laughs) took him about four seconds to fall asleep every night same thing he was ready for bed (laughs) because even youths even little children run out of energy everybody runs out of energy And young men, he says, shall fall exhausted. This word literally means a vigorous man, a man in the the prime of his life with all of his strength at whatever age that is, different for everyone, 25 or 30 years old or whenever it is. With all of the strength that he's ever going to have, even he, at the end of the day, is tired. Everyone gets tired. Everyone runs out of strength. This is not just true physically, but spiritually and emotionally. We like to handle things ourselves, don't we? But eventually we just, we come to the end of it, right? You know what that feels like. When you just face it and you face it and you face it and you get to the point where you just say, that's it, I'm at the end, I don't have any more. So who receives God's strength? Look at verse 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Who receives God's strength? Well, the one who waits for the Lord will get his strength. The word wait This is the key, in my opinion, the key word in the whole passage. It's the most important word. And it does not mean what you think it does. Because when we read this in our English Bible, those who wait for the Lord, we think, (laughs) well, that's something I can do, is wait. I can sit down, I can put my feet up, and I'll just wait. But that's not what this word means. It's a very, very strong word. It's not a passive word. For us in English, the word wait, it's passive, right? You just sit and wait for something to happen. But the word wait, as it's translated from the original language here, is an active word. It means to endure. It means to endure, and sometimes this exact same word is translated in the Old Testament as looking for. So what Isaiah is saying is, those who are enduring and looking for the Lord will receive his strength. The word also carries with it this idea, stretching and twisting and being in tension I was trying to think about what that would look like. I don't want to put words in Isaiah's mouth, but I was combining all those words. And the picture I got in my head was tug of war. Have you ever done a tug of war? Okay, no tug of war experience in the house. That's okay. I'll explain it to you. Two teams, a big long rope, and a mud pit in the middle. First team to yank the other team into the mud pit wins. 
Google it sometime. I'm sure there's a video on YouTube. But if you watch somebody who is doing tug of war, they've got a hold of that rope and they're leaning back and they're gripping and you can see all the muscles and tendons in their neck and their arms and their shoulders because they're giving it everything they've got and they're leaning back. And if the teams are well balanced, they could stand there for what seems like forever, just trying and desperately trying. If you ever watch tug of war, the guy that's really fun to watch is the guy in the front. For two reasons. Number one, he's the one that's going face first in the mud pit. But number two, he has no idea. Like, is anybody back there? I'm doing this all myself. And he's pulling and he's all tensed up and whatever muscle he's got is just at its peak. And you know what he's doing? He's going like this. Come on! Guys, help! And that's the picture I get in my mind when I put all of this together for this word. Enduring, giving it everything we've got, and at the same time, looking for God. Looking for him to come and help to strengthen. Now, spiritually... Those that wait for the Lord are those who are enduring. They're they're hanging on and they're not giving up. That's what Isaiah is saying here. Those that endure, those that keep going, those that are giving everything they have and are begging God, looking for God to help, realizing that they don't have enough to do what needs to be done, they, he says, will renew their strength. The word renew there means to, means to sprout forth like the bud on a tree. Tim is a farmer and a botanist and an agrarian of every kind and I was freezing to death on Monday or whatever day it was 10 below or Tuesday. And he comes into the office and he goes, hey, guess what? I saw the buds on the silver maples. I wanted to tell him that it was not physically, biologically possible for anything living to exist out in that. But he was convinced that he saw those buds. He probably did. (laughs) That's the word. Renew sprout forth new you know what I don't know a whole lot about trees but I do know this every spring when those buds come it's not a rehash of the bud from last year it's completely new you go into the grocery store you go into Walmart and your favorite product says what on the side of it new and what improved new by very definition, means different from what was before. And that's what God is saying here. Those that endure, that, that look for and beg for God's help will receive new strength. I don't know about you, but I got enough of what I can do. I don't need more of what I can do. I need what God can do. And that's what he's talking about here. 
The promise keeper gives strength to those who trust him. So how do I get it? Of course I want it, but how do I get it? Trusting him, waiting for him, looking on him. L- listen to this verse from, Isaiah, uh, from sorry, Jeremiah chapter 9. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his strength. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. How do we get God's strength? Who gets God's strength? Well, God offers his strength to those who humbly ask for it. He gives strength to those who admit that they need it and that they admit that they need him. Friends, listen, it is our human nature to resist vulnerability. It's our human nature. We resist it. It's why, for those of you guys that have gone through our, going through our radical mentorship program that we do, it's like two out of the first three books are all about one thing, vulnerability. Why? Because we are so stubborn, we don't want to admit that we need any help. We would rather hide our weaknesses. We would rather pretend that they don't exist. But it is only in this vulnerability that God's power is unleashed. It's only when we admit it that he unleashes his power and reveals it. Listen to these verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul says it this way, We have this treasure, that is the treasure of the presence and the power of God, in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. This treasure of the power of God is ours, but notice how we're described, jars of clay. You know, it happens to clay jars, right? They break, they crack. And you may be sitting here this morning and you say, hey, Mike, you know what? It's all well and good. I hear what you're saying. I get it. I would love to have God's power. I would love to have his strength. I would love to have him use me. But there's a problem. What's the problem? My jar has a crack in it. I'm cracked. (laughs) Physically, I can't do X. Or emotionally, I can't handle this. Or intellectually, I don't have this ability. Spiritually, my jar has a crack in it. Absolutely, it does. In fact, it probably has more than one. And it has to be that way. It has to be that way because if your jar doesn't have a crack in it, if you don't have weakness and vulnerability, then there's no place for the power of God to shine through. That's what Paul is saying here. 
when we acknowledge our shortcomings, we acknowledge our weaknesses, then his power shines through and he gets the glory. It's about focusing on God and not on ourselves. Have you ever noticed that whenever we think of being proud or prideful or egotistical, we always think it's because of all the good things we do, right? We're so proud of this. We're proud of our ability to do this or that. But do you know when you focus on your weaknesses and your vulnerability, that's just as self-centered as when you focus on the good things that you can do? It's still self-centeredness. And what God is telling us, my friends, is that we have to stop looking at ourselves and start looking at him. Start focusing on him. What did Isaiah say? Have you not known? Have you not heard? Don't you know about Jehovah, the creator, the everlasting one who never gets weary? That's who you should be thinking about, not about your own shortcomings but focusing on him and his power and trusting that he will give you strength for whatever comes. That's why we're going to sing this last song together. We're not going to sing about the things that we can't do. You know what we're going to sing about? We're going to sing about the one who can do everything that he purposes to do. Would you stand with us and sing this song this morning as we focus our attention on him? So really the question, not just for this promise, but for all of them, all eight that we've talked about and all 500 more that we haven't talked about, really the question is the same. The question is, will we trust the promise keeper? Are we going to trust him to do what he says that he will do? That's the question that we need to ask ourselves. It's a question you need to ask yourself as an individual for your own heart and your own mind. Because here's the thing, guys. Trusting God and trusting that he will give you the strength and the guidance and the wisdom and everything he's promised, trusting that he will give you the strength for whatever comes changes everything. Because instead of asking why, you ask how. If you trust him, instead of asking, why is this happening? I trust the promise keeper. I'm not going to let my emotions run away with me. I'm going to trust what I know is true. So instead of asking why, I'm going to ask how. How, God, how are you going to show up in my life today so that I can do what's in front of me to do? Because I get it. Sometimes we roll out and what's laying right there in front of us to do that day looks impossible. And it is impossible in our own strength. But we ask, how? How are you going to do this today, God? How are you going to enable me to do what you're asking me to do? Do you trust him? you trust the promise keeper? That's what this whole life is about, friends. The whole walk with God. Do we trust him or don't we? Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you are trustworthy, even though often we question it and we doubt it and we wrestle with it as is our human nature to do. But I pray that we might be vulnerable before you this morning, that we might admit our weaknesses and trust that you will give us the strength to do what is in front of us to do. Walk with each one, Father, as they leave here this morning. Give them a renewed sense of your presence 
And as we continue to get to know you more fully and more deeply, we will trust you more to do the things you have said that you will. Thank you for making it clear to us in your word. Continue to give us the wisdom to understand it and apply it to our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, folks. I hope you have a great week.